electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC, Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber. He is Jim Cramer and we are live from the New York Stock Exchange. Carl has the morning off. Let's give you a look at futures, of course, as we get ready to begin trading here 30 minutes from now. Uh, set up for a slightly lower open after, of course, yesterday's continued uh, downdraft in the markets. Our roadmap this morning, though, doesn't start with the markets. It starts with news we just got about Wells Fargo. It is settling with the CFPB, agreeing to pay over $3.7 billion as a result of consumer abuses. And, of course, uh, the markets themselves. Recession worries are continuing to drag on Wall Street. The Nasdaq leading the declines. That's leaving my colleague right next to me here to wonder if it marks the return of the, quote, Mighty Dow. And Disney doldrums, stock on the way to the worst year since 1974. Got a lot of other stuff for you in the show, too. Don't go anywhere. We begin, though, with that uh, breaking news. The CFPB has ordered Wells Fargo to pay $3.7 billion for widespread mismanagement of auto loans, mortgages, deposit accounts. That is $2 billion to redress consumers. And then there is, Jim, a $1.7 billion civil penalty. Uh, we've been following this for quite some time, of course. Right. With Charlie Scharf in charge. Thought they'd gotten it all behind them. Yes. But it that's... feels like there's always a little bit more to come. Um, is this it? Okay. Uh, it, that's just an absolutely great question. And, you know, on the Wells press release, of course, what they're trying to do is say that it's $1.7 billion that is new. That's a civil penalty. And there's been $2 billion that's been in the works, so to speak, mm-hmm. meaning that you're not necessarily going to say that the 3.7 is brand new. Now, this is a very much in-flux story, I'm going to tell you that, meaning I'm frantically working on this, and okay. I don't want to be... Uh, there's a battle of the forms, as we learned in law school. There's a CF- <laughs> The CFPB just makes it look like, man, we're, they're writing a check for 3.7. And right. it well, it's really in their interest badly. to look as though the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is doing its job. And obviously, I would, right. I would assume this is the largest penalty by far that they have ever received. Oh, you received. got that right, baby. Yeah. And then CFPB, this is the Wells News release. CFPB is terminating 2016 consent order. Now, that's been right. a huge problem for Wells, providing clarity and a path forward for termination of the 2018 consent order. Recognizes recent acceleration of efforts. Now, remember, this is a battle of the forms. That is Wells's com- uh, talk, mm-hmm. and they're talking about the civil penalty of 1.7 billion, and that there's another. The two billion has been in the works. I am frankly trying to figure out how much of the two billion is already in the works. How much have they paid? Right. Because obviously, the stock's down. As if this is a, you wake up and suddenly Charlie Sharp, the CEO, is paying a fine of just a gigantic proportions. Now, 1.7 billion is that's not nothing. But to get this behind them uh, would be something. Now, I think people have to understand there were 13 different issues that Charlie had to solve. Mm-hmm. People thought that he had to solve nothing when he took the job. Right. It turned out that there was just a fiasco 
I mean, of tremendous proportions going on there. So 1.7 billion, uh, is it, do they have the money to do it? Absolutely. Yeah. They haven't bought back any stocks since the spring. Uh, when uh, I was furious at them for buying stock high, well, obviously this explains a lot of what they have to do, but to get this, all right, although we're just sitting here trying to get these darn things. I mean, you, you will, the, I, I'm going with the, the $2 billion okay. for re- remediation yep. that's that's already ongoing, of which we don't know how much has already been accounted right. for. It's a pig, it's pig in a python. I get it. But that, that, 1.7 is new. Got it. 1.7 is new. And we'll update as the show moves along. That and, said, and while this we're is on a, the subject, I mean, yeah, listen. Sure. This stock has not performed any worse in the group. In fact, better than some of the other big the names. Stock was JP at, Morgan. The stock was at 61 um, on February 5 of 2018. Bank America, City, all, it is, but we're all down. Bank America, City, JPM are all down more than well, Wells. Wells did year. have a better quarter than everybody. You know, they're making more money on the NSS margin. Now, there's a lot of people who feel, well, you know, they've got substantial, uh, if, the, if the Fed pushes and we go into recession, they've got substantial liability. They have the cleanest balance sheet they've ever had. And they, you know, they, even the auto loan hit is over, but it's stunning. Okay, now Charlie's quote is a Charlie. I should Charlie Sharf, CEO. Of, our, ta- our top of, priority is to continue to build a risk and control infrastructure that reflects the size and complexity of Wells Fargo and run the company in a more controlled, disciplined way. Now, what that says to me again, uh, it gets a little worse here. Um, we have made significant progress over the last three years in a different company today. Now, see, it's a significant progress. I don't want to see significant. I want to see we're done. Right. And I'm not kidding yet. But this is the big one. But, you know, this is like one of those things where I don't want to come back to you three months from now and say, this is the big one. Right. I think this is the big one. It is huge. But it was not Charlie Scharf. No. And he had to put it behind him in order to be able to become the banker that we know he is, yep. which is a good banker. But um, it's jarring. And people are going to say, wow. But I would say, wow, they're almost done. OK, yep. wow, they're almost done. All right. I know you're reading that, but you know what? Well, I, I got to get on this thing. Man. I want to move on as well to sort of the more of the market this morning, if we can. Jim. And I want to just explain the way we were like it's in progress. Yeah, it's not like I think our thing. viewers know that. Okay, thank you. They viewers know that. that's why. I mean, sometimes you give me a hard time well, about I'm my phone to, and know, my I'm texting. Being, call Charlie, it always I mean, upsets you, but then when it's reversed and you're reporting, oh, it's okay. I won't get upset with you. That was totally gratuitous. <laughs> and let's go ahead. What well, do we got next? <laughs> I, take, I feel badly when you get. <laughs> what mad do we got at me next? No, no, no. All right, I have a great answer about this because right, I don't want to say that it's done. Keep I'm reporting. Gonna... Keep working. Okay, but now I need you. you to focus thank on you. this, which is the Absolutely. weakness in the tech sector, of course. The Nasdaq is approaching a 33% decline. That's for this year. Uh, yeah, 32.59 is where we started the day. And uh, for a name like Amazon, well, it's even worse. Stock has given up all of its pandemic gains, fallen by almost 50%. We sold Amazon high. Date. A lot of, lot higher. We have real great basis. We being? The Channel Trust. Okay. We bought some yesterday. We bought a small amount trying to rebuild. And I'll tell you why. Tell me. Because I think that Andy Jassy recognizes, CEO, that they have a terrible ratio of, of expense to revenue. And I think he's the most likely of the so-called Faang stocks to take the hit Jan 3rd. But there was an extraordinary piece today by Michael Nathanson, Moffat Nathanson, saying that even though Meta has taken gigantic charges, they're not done. 
and now they're going to cut capbacks. So these companies remind me, David, the old days when you would have chemical companies who would come in and they're laying off 20,000 people. Right. This is that was, the stocks that were just posted are ground zero of everything that's wrong with this market. We're okay. not talking about Deer and Cat and Ingersoll Rand and, and Parker Hannafin. We're not talking about Cummins Engine. We're not talking about General Mills. We're not talking about Kellogg. We're not talking about Campbell's. We're talking about everybody who was making a fortune in the Valley thinking we're the kings. But you know what, David? They're the pawns. And the king was never good anyway. You should be the queen. Right? The king can't do jack. No, the king can only move. No, I always felt like king. Yeah, the queen. Are you kidding me? That should be the case. The queen is is much more powerful. But anyway, tech tumbling down 30. It's been a major source of funds for everything. Yes, it has. But Uh, at a certain point, do you think Jassy? Okay, so Jassy's watching. He doesn't miss the show. So with that, first of all, I will say good win over the the, um, commanders. Yes. Uh, The the problem with Jassy has is he inherited big and then added big because that was right. Because he didn't want to move, miss the opportunity. But, David, they're dealing, with, they're dealing with a COVID group of people. Now, we did not have that yesterday from Jelinek. Jelinek never I, did that. You, you, you're lost. I'm me. talking about They're Costco. dealing with a COVID group of people. Costco what does that did mean? not add hundreds of thousands of workers. Right. As Andy Jassy Amazon did added they had a lot of demand. Hundreds of thousands. Hundreds. It was a, a, a hiring spree of which the likes of which we've never really seen. Yes. And the um, army is about to, um, well, let's just say when the war ends, you know, you, you, okay. you, you dis- so, disable the army. I mean, I'm looking at an Evercore piece from two days ago, reducing estimates and price target, but still view as a Buffett buy yeah, I thought that Amazon. Was, yeah, I, I read that and I said, oh, will you give me a break, a Buffett buy. Yeah. I mean, a Buffett. Uh, you know what I read that to my staff? I said... They mean buffet. They mean buffet. They mean buffet. Like one of those Maybe buffets, a circus circus. It's really buffet. fabulous. Yeah. Because it's not a buffet. I mean, Amazon ain't no buffet. I mean, Amazon yeah, is in that. trouble. Now, they're not in trouble financially. Well, well, in how trouble are they in trouble? Revenues to expenses. Yes. Okay. David, all of Fang well, is revenues yes, to expenses. they all are. That's right. Well, and they've all they, gotten too fat. The world was their oyster. And that's why it is interesting. The world was their oyster. Now they're eating oysters right. that don't have the much to are. And productivity, by the way, is, is down at many of these oh, no, I, companies? People aren't really working on Fridays? They're not working on Fridays. They're not all. working on Fridays. They're not working on Fridays. They're not working I have, on Fridays. I have a study that shows that they're playing you have a study? Call of Duty on Friday. <laughs> you, have a study? Have a, you have a survey? I have, yeah. yeah um, I actually do. You do? All right, I'd like to yeah. see that survey. But no, you're <laughs> right. And so is 2023, though, going to be the year where cost discipline is... The key I think theme, that, 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 look, as many Zuckerberg, hope it will be at Meta, the bo- and Zuckerberg, therefore the CEO added a little of bit Meta. of life to the stock Zuckerberg, last week. Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, has said um, one thing over and over again, which is it's time to get the revenues and the expenses matched correct. Well, he's got a CapEx budget of $30 billion for he's, next year. He's spending 80-20, 80% of the time in non, non, the, the $13 billion for the... Bio. Thirteen billion for the metaverse, Me, the lab, the oh, lab, but right, lab, the lab. Thirty billion is the overall number. I was like, right? they, you know, lab. I wish it was like a crime lab on CBS, but it's mm-hmm. a real lab. All right, and then the rest is going to be capex. That look, they have to have a lot. They have to spend a lot of money on AI. AI support. Yeah, they got to spend a lot of money on just stuff like servers too. Yeah, but that but, stuff's not cheap. I am saying that they are conscious of what we're saying. 
and are saying. I don't know where all this leaves me. Uh, I'm, I'm, or leaves, I'm talking about companies. These are viewers that are, who, uh, that are who want to follow that, it, what it is you're, you're telling them. What I'm it, saying is, is this creating an opportunity in some like, of you know, these we things. There isn't any advertising. Netflix is going to thrive through advertising. I mean, you, know, you see Yelp today downgrade. No advertising. Advertising, everybody's cut. Okay. Yes, and Netflix has been suffering. As I'm a just saying, of you're looking a less than robust response to right. its ad-supported tier. Warner Brothers Discovery, which I know you love to talk about, was get got crushed yesterday. Maybe just lumped in as well on the worries about Chris advertising. Look, let's back up. The companies that were doing really well in the pandemic turned out to be those companies. And yeah. you know, we sit here and we make fun of Peloton and my wife's bra on Peloton. And we make fun of DocuSign as if we're not going to use that anymore. We buy real estate. We poke fun at Zoom. Let me tell you something. Zoom's doing better than some of these companies. Okay. These companies were at the heart of advertising. They turned out to be ad-supported companies. Well, some of them. What? Yeah. Right. Except for Apple. And that's why, even though Apple's chart indicates that they're going to pre-announce on the first day when we come back, that's what it says, I'm just saying that this turned out to be the wrong group. But the Amazon down 50%. We started buying back. Because I, I don't think Jassy, who's one of the most competitive people I've ever met, is going to sit here and take this. Understood. He's going to do what is necessary. Okay? Any, it's, good, it's Malcolm X here. I get it. It's by any means necessary. Jassy. I'm not quite sure if he's working work with Malcolm X, whether he read the bio, autobiography of Malcolm X. But it's by any means necessary for Andy Jassy. When we come back, we're going to have a look at the state of the consumer. We'll talk about FedEx and Nike, both due to report earnings after the bell. Let's get another look at futures. We're about 17 minutes away from uh, an open here. And again, we are looking like we're going to have a slightly uh, down open. Stay with us. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Raj, are we going to a worldwide recession? Well, I'm not an economist, but, you know, oh, I'll, you know more than economists. Come on. They don't uh, they just push papers. You actually look at papers. Well, I, 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 I think so. I, I, you think I, we are going I, to I, 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 I think so. But, you know, again, these uh, these numbers don't portend very well. That was FedEx's CEO, Raj Subramanian. That was in mid-September. He joined Jim right over there on the Mad Money set. And, of course, you heard what he had to say. By the way, he's joined in that by many other CEOs at this point, at least. I know the ones a lot of you and I both talked to. Thank you. The warning itself did send FedEx shares down sharply, uh, and it hasn't come back since those. uh, It hasn't fully recouped, at least, what it lost there. FedEx and Nike, we should mention, right. uh, all uh, both do out with quarterly results. Those will be after the close of trading. Now, and Nike's interesting because obviously that's a question about how much China's open, but also U.S. consumer. But China is integral to their growth. They did have a great U.S. quarter last time. 
Nike did, right. yes. But and the stock is not direct to consumers become a much more important right. distribution channel for them. Right. And the direct um, consumer is very well done. Now, I, FedEx is very interesting. There was a note yesterday urging people to distinguish FedEx from UPS. Yeah. FedEx has spent a considerable amount of money developing overseas. UPS is more domestic, Carol Tomei. I, I will say that the knock on FedEx is that they always spend much more money, and they, you, well, when you give it, you know the knock versus UPS. You've, you've explained it many times. Without a doubt. And there, when you look at the margins, I mean, the people say it's just basically an Air Force masquerading right. as a package, well, <laughs> package delivery like company. You can send FedEx, if you want to send something to an obscure part of Mexico, to an obscure part of Italy, FedEx will get it there. Right. But for what cost? Right. I mean, but um, they do have the worldwide network. You know, one of the questions then continues to be, first of all, after those comments, of course, which, by the way, had a broader market response, then we suddenly reassessed and said, well, wait a minute, this may not be a broad issue. This may be a FedEx issue. In right. particular, after we got numbers from UPS, they did not show that same level of weakness. But UPS is also mentioned there's an activist investor at FedEx, been there for a little while, D.E. Yeah. Shaw. They got a couple people on the board. Um, so there's some pressure there. You know, everybody wants to run to the General Millses of the world. Yeah. Okay. Which reported numbers, yeah. And General Mills is down today in part because all these have run so much that you know, you, you have a, a, a situation where unless they continue to raise and raise and raise, they get hurt, which goes back to the, uh, the Dave Tepper, Mike Wilson theory. Now, Dave is a great hedge fund manager also in the Panthers, but says, listen, they're going to keep raising. And I'm not saying he says nowhere to hide. But there is a, a lesson here, which is that your portfolio is getting hurt everywhere right now, except for in the, in the, uh, in the Heinz's and the General Mills's. And I, I don't know if this General Mills decline today, down as much as 1.6%, pretends that perhaps this isn't the place to hide. Yeah, we're going to or go over. just a pause. We want, I want to go over those numbers. But coming back to the broader consumer, Jim, we also had a conversation yesterday with Craig Jelinek, the CEO of Costco. And I think both of us didn't come away from that feeling better. No, I, I really... Um, let's, I, let's let our viewers take a listen again. This was uh, yesterday. It's probably not one of the most exciting Christmases I've ever uh, dealt with. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with the uh, consumer being a little bit careful going on, going into next year. I think right now, you know, unemployment is still in a relatively good place. But every time you turn around, particularly in some of the technology jobs, people seem to be getting laid off. And I think people are saying, wait and see, and let's see what happens going into uh, next year. I mean, let's wait and see what happens going into next year. By the way, it could be something CEOs across the board are also saying. Right. Well, this is, are we in 2008 or is there another 2018 with the Fed's being too tight? But I don't think he's turning back this time like he did in 2018. Now, David, if we, if we parse Jelinek, first we have to say, I've never heard him say anything other than it's a big, pretty good Christmas. He did not say that. I've actually been where Jim Senegal's opened a store here I've never Jim heard Senegal, anyway. previous CEO. Of I've Costco. never heard him so measured. Second, I have been adamant that the, technolo- the technology layoffs are significant. The first person to ever kind of agree with me is Jelinek. Now, I'm not saying I got it from him, but I am saying that that Costco's a big company, you know, 550 stores in America, everywhere. They see what where the numbers are. And the numbers, obviously, in the West Coast are, are not good because of technology. So the layoffs are real. Uh, 
I think that the fact that they're selling a lot of TVs but not the big ones is another good tell of what's going on. But it's yep. it's not that the consumer is dead, but the consumer is more cautious. So then the question is why? Did they run out of money? No. Did they capital they're one it? Did they affirm the way they spend, it? Did they course. upstart it? services is still hanging in there in a way that perhaps goods is not. Um, well, we have a lot of questions. I we don't have it, a, a many answers. No, but we owe our viewers answers. answers and we're frantically trying to get them. I, I never can give anybody an answer. Well, just more questions. That's because you have a Jeopardy attitude. to play. Coming up, uh, Jim's going to give you an answer as to what today's mad dash is. We'll also count you down to an opening bell, give you one more look at futures because we know you want it. Yeah, we're still looking like we're going to have it down open. More Squawk on the Street right after this. From pit lane to podium, the Las Vegas Grand Prix is providing fans a race day experience at the speed they deserve with the help of T-Mobile for Business. Our 5G advanced network solutions are powering race day operations with event-wide connectivity. From streamlined gate entry to an immersive app, giving fans blazing fast access to the sport they love. This is accelerating innovation. This is the Las Vegas Grand Prix with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You can see shares of Wells Fargo off the lows that uh, we saw. Of course, we haven't opened. We do about six minutes from now. This, though, on that news of a CFPB ordering the company to to pay $3.7 billion for what they call widespread mismanagement. Well, we'll by the way, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street Opening Bell podcast. Speaking of an opening bell, we got one in five minutes. Welcome back. Take a look at Treasury yields. Uh, We're having a role reversal here on the desk. Jim, if you can show him, is doing the reporting while I'm sitting here just talking. Um, Yeah, look at that. But it's a pleasure, actually, to speak uninterrupted. Um, Let's talk a bit about the Bank of Japan decision, uh, because that is having an impact, as you see, on the broad Treasury complex right now, um, saying, hey, you know what? We're uh, going to you're no longer the last holdout on negative rates. And so these signs that perhaps they may be buckling uh, and obviously heightened expectations that, in fact, they will allow bond yields to go higher. That's enough to get risk managers a little bit concerned. You've been working on the Wells Fargo story. I don't know if you want to just uh, have anything to add on Japan and that impact. Well, Japan, you know, the market was was doing fine before Japan, reversal. Uh, Almost all news is viewed as negative right now, meaning worldwide tightening. So worldwide tightening means that worldwide level of commerce you got to go down on. I'm not sure about that. I think that we're in that situation when I mentioned the temper situation where, and I know Dave doesn't want me to put words in his mouth, but you you do, it's the anti of what it used to happen, which is that you raise, it's bad, you don't raise, it's bad. It's bad, it's okay. bad. Uh, and now, we, should, we should tell people the news itself here, the Bank of Japan, in a surprise move, sort of widening its yield curve control policy on 10-year government bonds. So right. essentially saying they can go up in yield. Okay. The Wells story is a little bit more convoluted than we've implied. Okay. You know what? I want to stop I'm you there because we're going to get we're going to get an opening bell. Yeah. Let's get in the opening bell. Then let's come back to Wells, and then we got a bunch of other stocks yeah. that we want to talk about this morning, Jim. But I want to hear what your reporting found on Wells because that was the lead of our morning. Uh, here at the uh, big board, I should mention, uh, and you can take a look at, of course, the real time exchange. We've got Amplify ETFs. 
Started the show with it, of course. This seemingly surprising uh, $3.7 billion settlement, fine, and various things. You've been working the numbers to try to figure out okay. what's new, what was already included. So, okay, what have you it got? It's true that $1.7 billion is the, is the civil penalty. $1.7 billion you can civil say penalty. Is, well, you know what? That was heavily negotiated, and that's behind it. It is true that there's a remediation of the other member because they see if I don't never want to put words in the, in the consumer banks in the the, <laughs> the the protectors of our country but there is another let's call it 350 million that is not that is new 350 million that is new yeah, so, so to speak and so it's 2.05 that is uh, that is that is civil civil penalty. So that new meaning has been reserved for, has been paid. Okay. Wasn't in works. Now, okay. the real number here is five point five. Five point five is the number that I know. Five point five. Very big numbers. The very big numbers what is, because why the market is that the cap real is 1. 1.5. Because that's the number. The sole. That's the total that they think gets puts everything behind them. That includes their lawyer fees. It includes what they think are uh, pretty much all the other charges. Charlie Sharp is trying to put this all behind him. I think that when you put out the litigation, you can see that they did have a reserve in the previous quarter. Now we're seeing what that reserve was for, which is litigation. I put out the 5.5 because that's that's pretty much it, right. I think. Right. And it's not reported yet, so that's the new news. Okay. Uh, it's 1.7 uh, billion penalties new. Uh, the additional $350 million that is not yet remediated, okay, so now you're talking about new money, $2.05 bill, all right, that okay. you have to write a check for. Then there's the rest, which has been in the works, so it's a little more difficult to claim that there hasn't been a check for it, so you yep. really don't want to count that. And then the reason I come out with a 5.5 is I, the bank is basically saying, look, we have these other charges. We have this litigation. Yep. And there it is. All right. Yep. And it's not just for for this uh, consumer protection bureau. Okay. Now, where do I come out on this? All right. Where do you come out on this? Uh, my, my travel trust knows it. Uh, I, I think that any move greater than say 1.5 percent overdoes everything that we've heard. Uh, the bank has had a horrible overhang, and I think that what you really want to think of. Once I had an executive who told me about a division that he had to sell. Because it was a division that was 20% of the revenues of the company, but was 35% of his time. A very fine executive, no need to call him out. I think that that's Charlie Sharp's problem here. This is probably 50% of his time, and 50%, that's my own estimation, running, running uh, because it's like Zuckerberg, how much is he running Metaverse versus the rest of the place? 20, 80, 80, 20. I think what Charlie's doing, Charlie Sharp is a very fine banker, and he was great at Visa, great at JP Morgan. Bank in New York, more difficult to figure out what he did. But this is this is the beginning of the new Wells Fargo. It's just that it's an astounding set of numbers. Yes. And what okay. it reminds you is, David, Charlie's been there for a while. Yeah. That there were many, many things wrong at Wells that we didn't even know about. 
That's true. At auto loans, rip off of consumers. It, it has taken quite a while to get right. deep enough to but sort of get to the bottom. If it's 5.5 and it includes all the litigate, all the lawyers, yeah, yeah. includes everything, then maybe the conversation will be about how the bank is doing going forward. And I know the bank has plenty of capital. I know the company can buy back stock. I think that Charlie's been playing with one hand behind his back the whole darn way. Okay. So 5.5 is going to be the number that they, people should be talking about. The 1.7 is the number people should be talking about. The 3.7 is not the number people should be talking about. That's the number that's in the okay. consumer. I'm glad we got that right. I have up. Nike, too, which was going to yeah, be my stock. I want to talk about a few things, too. Can I do that? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, did, I wanted to do the Mad Dash. The mad dash. Oh, we got no Mad Dash. Forget okay. Mad Dash. Okay, that, we, you were reporting during the Mad Dash. Well, I'm trying. But, you know, I've been reporting the last couple of days on Tesla and Twitter, as you might imagine, of yes. course, along with everybody else. You know, we had the poll from Elon Musk that occurred uh, 57% saying, yeah, we want you to step down as CEO. Um, Jim, no big surprise here. Musk is actively looking for a new CEO of Twitter. Um, and it doesn't take anybody a genius to tell you that. As we've seen from his previous polls, oftentimes he sort of already knows the answer before he actually asks people to participate in said poll. And that would appear to be the case here as well. From it's, everything I've heard, he has been um, active. actively looking, asking, trying to figure out who the candidate pool might actually be. Heard a lot of different names, but none of them enough so that I actually feel comfortable sharing them at this point. And I'm sure there are plenty of I can of tell you, reporters. he's not going to do John Ledger since he shot not, me down directly. Not going to do one. John Ledger, no, I think that's fair to say. It's not going to be Jack Dorsey. It's, but you know, you, know, it, it, you can go through question. a long list of is people. It it's not going to be Jim, but I do think it's interesting because, of course, he, you know, he has told people this is, and he even said as much during his uh, testimony in, 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 in Delaware. Um, it's a four-month project. That's what he sees it as, and he's going to find somebody to replace him. He obviously will still be the boss, in a sense, given he owns the company. But to the extent it takes any pressure off Tesla, who knows? But he's out actively looking for his replacement, so to speak. All right, what would be the classic hilarious replacement? Brett Taylor. Yeah. The co CEO of, the, of yeah. Salesforce who no longer the, is. Bring who in the former chairman. Who beat Musk. I don't Did. think that, that he wants to do that, Brett. I no. would say this, David. The question is I, if I you got have to so do many the different diagram, names here, Jim, but I, again, do you want I, tech, it's not clear to me. Do you want a technology guy or do you want someone who's a, it's a salesperson? A, it, it's a great question. It's a great question. What do you need more? I think you need um, tech because there's you so can't many different just things to like navigate there as, as the CEO of, of, of Twitter, and obviously in a very difficult ad environment where you're dealing with half the staff that you had, which, by the way, may be good because certainly there seemed to be a lot of bloat at that company. Yes. Um, we talked about not working on Fridays. It's not clear what days they were working there, but I'm sure they were. They were incapable of doing, uh, doing a lot of campaigns. And incapable um, of doing a lot of the things that people thought they do, including integrating gambling, but integrating stocks, integrating consumer packages. You know, and again, listen, we had uh, what do we? The latest research we had was Evercore lowering their price target on Tesla to two hundred dollars from three hundred, and they ended by simply saying, "Partisan elephant in the room: Investors now fear U.S. brand damage given typical EV buyer demographics, roughly forty percent just being from California, seventy percent from blue states." in a dwindling backlog environment. Um, and they go on from there, Jim. But there's no doubt it's been having an impact. Uh, Let me get that. Let me see how much it really is. What are, you, what are you looking at? I'm getting the numbers. What numbers? The impact. 
What impact? I have my damn sources on the impact, the EV versus who's taking share. I see. Okay. I, I'm trying to get it before the show's over. All right. Well, I want to move on now to Disney. Can we do that? Ready for that one, partner. All right. A little emoji that's crying. I do like when you call when you call me partner. I know. It makes me feel nice. Thank you. Um, the Walt Disney Company, we've got a, a Wells Fargo this morning. I thought it was interesting because they are saying just very squarely, we think you should think about spinning off ESPN. And we think you might. ESPN, traditionally, the cash cow is neither owned IP nor global the way the rest of Disney is, with linear and sports trends diverging from core IP, that's intellectual property. We think severing the company is increasingly logical. Now, we know former CEO um, Bob Chapek uh, had decided against that. Right. And it had been brought up uh, when Dan Loeb showed up some time back as one of the, the list of things that he thought the company should consider. Chapek saw a real opportunity in terms of sports betting and how right. ESPN potentially could be central to that. But he failed to do that. I do not have a sense as to where Iger is on this. But, um, you know, Wells goes into some detail here in terms of uh, they think ESPN, ABC with linear networks is roughly $2.5 billion in fiscal year 23. OIBDA, that's operating income before uh, depreciation and amortization. They could basically say, listen, if they can pull it off, Remainco needs to trade it 16 times on enterprise value over EBITDA. That would be value neutral. Anything above that would be value enhancing. They could send a lot of debt with ESPN. Right, they could. And Help their balance sheet a lot. We do think, I mean, watch ESPN, like last night you watch ESPN football. You realize that they have not fully used their library. Uh, I think that they themselves have, have uh, reduced costs at a phenomenal rate since uh, Bob ran Disney last time. I, I like the idea. I'd like to hear what, what uh, Steve Schwartz and Hearst has to say. What who has to say? Steve Schwartz and Hearst, who owns the, the Raz. 20% the, of ESPN. Fabulous I'm glad. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we sometimes forget that Hearst owns 20% of this right. company, has certain rights as a result of that. And again, this just because it's in paper from a, an analyst doesn't mean in any way that it's something that Iger is thinking about seriously. Just don't know. But by the way, if they are, there'll also be some potential buyers of that. You may not want to just spin that thing cold. You may uh, want to I, do something else. Look, if you Apple, know, you know, Apple was dropped out of the of, direct uh, package. There's of, too many right. people in that direct package. Of fo- the football package, yeah. yes. And I think that both Amazon uh, and maybe to a lesser degree Google understand somewhat gambling. Yep. Neither seems to understand the idea that the fourth quarter in NFL is watched right. because of DFS, because daily fantasy and because of regular fantasy. There's 55 million people who play fantasy. None of these people seems to have a clue, with the exception of ESPN, how to, how to profit off of that. Right. Uh, so I think ESPN, if it, I, Dave, what I need to know is contracts. As they come up, unless you're Alphabet or Amazon, you don't have the money. And that, that's a key question. Sports rights so important. Obviously, it's one of the key reasons why it's so expensive to ESPN itself. And John Malone would argue one of the reasons why the bundle has been breaking apart in the first place is because of sports but at the same the, time also holding it together for those who actually okay, want sports look, to lose. Yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't be too anecdotal, but you have a play where, uh, where uh, the Pats lose. Okay, it's an incredible play. You have a comeback on Saturday. Uh, the Colts, who had done the great, you know, Frank Reich had the greatest comeback ever, and then the Colts lose to the Vikings. These are things that people watch. No one talks about the regular darn programming that they shove down our throats during the commercials when you're watching this stuff. Because we don't really want it. Now, 
But then we discover it, and we do like it. And the only way we can discover it is from sports. It's true. It's like my wife, I'm watching the movie. You know, I'm checking in on that ABC show or that NBC I show. Hear you. We never know about these shows that weren't for sports. Um, and then we watch them and we kind of like them. We kind of like them. All right, I want to move on from Disney, Jim, because we've got a bunch of news I want to get to. Let's, Let's talk. Go. Can Nike, we talk a little 3M? Nike. Can we talk a little 3M? Oh, my and God. Yeah, let me get that. From P-Pass Manufacturing. Let me share the news with people. I may not be having that big an impact on the stock, but the it's forever? an important story. Did you mention the forever? Uh, 3M this morning announcing it will exit all PFAS manufacturing by the end of 2025. It will discontinue manufacturing all uh, fluoropolymers, fluorinated fluids, PFAS-based additive products, and will, it says, help facilitate an orderly transition for customers. Uh, intends to fulfill its current, by the way, contractual obligations during this transition period of a couple of years. Well, more, almost more than that, really. End of 2025, right. so three years from now. Uh, as our viewers may be aware, of course, they're facing numerous lawsuits about the environmental impact of PFAS manufacturing. Um, and current annual sales of manufactured PFAS, about $1.3 billion. EBITDA margins are 16%, Jim. Um, they do expect to incur related total pre-tax charges of $1.3 billion to $2.3 billion. And there will be actually, uh, that will be also part of the fourth quarter uh, as well. So, um, I don't know, your view on this? You know, you and I have occasionally talked about this during the various quarters or when we see something in court that that rises to a certain level. I mean, this is forever chemical production. This is a key chemical to them. Uh, It has caused groundwater contamination in many different places. Initially, they thought it would be contained in certain areas. It's all over the globe. Uh, Mike Roman, like... Charlie Sharp, trying very much to put this litigation behind them. This one's going to be more difficult because 3M has been viewed as being a punching bag slash piggy bank. Right. Uh, I do think that the discontinuation of these uh, PFAS chemicals was incredibly important, but I did not know how important PFAS was to their actual sales. Yep. So, uh, again, another one where we're glad that they put it behind them, but the cost of putting it behind them is high, and PFAS is not really the end of the litigation that's putting it behind. PFAS just continues, and it does because groundwater is something that we know is forever. Yes. And so I think um, Mike's doing a good job. Can I just say one thing? Please. Mike, Mike Roman Mike did, Roman, not, create, CEO of 3M, did yes. not create this problem. No. And there's been a lot of skating for the people who worked there before. Yeah. But they, you know, if you go back and you read the first quarter, quarterly cue of Mike, it was the beginning of what he realized could be. And they've done a number of different things, obviously. They tried that $800 million settlement in Minnesota, but yep. you know, it's global, and, they, and I think it's really important. You know, And a lot of it is it's, you know, it's the kind of what they they're scrub, you know, what they use the chemical in scrubbing. And, correct. Uh, what I feel badly about is that this has just been a, you know, this is a Dow. This coating is, is on really a lot of stuff, PFAS. Coating is everywhere. Um, and, you know, forever Jim, chemicals. Before we go, and, you know, I feel like we haven't gotten Where everything. Where are we going? Um, Nike, you want to get, get that? we got to get to Bob uh, Lucid, did you notice this? They raised um, yeah. another $1.515 billion. Great. 56.2 million shares of common stock. The gross proceeds there were $600 million. Uh, and then... Um, Private placement, 85.7 million shares. That to an affiliate of the public it. investment fund. The Saudis. And they'll make it. 
Say again? Then they'll make it. Then they will make it. Yes. Uh, $1.5 billion will be quite helpful to them. I think a lot of our of course, viewers you lost consume a lot, a lot of, of capital when you're, right. when you're ramping up production of your automobiles. When Amgen came public and had some big hits, yes. there was a tremendous amount of money spent on finding the next Amgen. And there wasn't. There's been a tremendous amount of money spending finding the next Tesla. And there hasn't been. And there hasn't been. Well, it's hard to recreate a Tesla. It is. Uh, which we should I wish he could just go has back not, there. Has not us. budged uh, down now some 58.6% for the year of shares of Tesla, $460 billion market value. And didn't, come, uh, didn't move higher at all in that reporting, of course, which because most people are already aware um, that Musk is actively looking uh, for David, a CEO. David, I, I don't want to ask you for names. Can I just ask you whether the names are entertainment or technology? More technology. Or, really? More technology, Good, yeah. because that's where they're hurting. I did hear one entertainment name, but it wasn't going to happen. Um, all right. Chip tells us, that's our producer, that we have to move on, and so we will listen to him and get to Bob Pisani. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, David. Good morning, Jim. Good to see you both. Uh, we're fifth down day on the S&P here. We're in some serious downtrend in some major sectors. So we're down 5% last few days uh, on the S&P. I uh, just want to show you some sectors. And again, in terms of risk on, risk off, ARC is in a, another serious downtrend going on. Uh, semis are weak again here. We're waiting for Micron tomorrow. But banks and retailers, just awful uh, December. I just want to show you some of these names. Nordstrom, Costco, uh, Dillard's, the big department stores, they were all down 15, 20 percent this month. I mean, you'd see flattish today, but this is a little bit un unusual. They've had generally a terrible month for the retailers. Banks, the same thing. I noted some big regional banks never really recovered from that Goldman Sachs conference. 52-week lows a few days ago with M&T and some of the other ones. But we're down 10 to 15 percent in a lot of these names in the month of December. So there's a lot of big stuff that's in serious downtrends here. We're hoping maybe we'll get a little bit of reversal on some of the earnings. The, the, the early reporters that we had last week were not that bad. Uh, and But the numbers are coming down. So fourth, fourth quarter estimates went negative several weeks ago for the S&P 500, now down 1%. Uh, October 1st, just to give you a sense, it was up almost 6%. So what we care about is not the absolute number, it's the trend, it's the delta. And the delta is going down. We are reducing numbers rather steadily. The same is going on for the first quarter, too. That's going to go negative within the next couple of weeks. So October 1st, we had first quarter 2023 up 7%. Now it's only up 1.9%. That's going to go negative in the next couple of weeks. That's what the trend is. So maybe we'll get the big three reporting this week that'll change things. I don't think so. Uh, but the expectations are pretty low. David was talking about FedEx. Could there be a more epic disaster than the last earnings report from FedEx that was down 20%? You see that number there in September? September 15th, I think it was, uh, when, they, uh, when they lowered their expectations. Uh, they cited global macro economic trends there um, and announced big cost-cutting plans, but the bar's very low here. Uh, Nike had a lot of inventory challenges, a lot of margin challenges. Remember, they get about 20% from China, 30% from Europe, but a lot of this is already priced in. The analysts started dramatically cutting Nike's estimates beginning in the early part of the summer, so we've got numbers really down here. It was a dollar for the quarter uh, reporting today, and now it's 65 cents. So it's, they've reduced 30% in the last several months, and you can see Nike being reduced, uh, the price lowing on that. Micron finally just pointing out here, uh, big haircut uh, on uh, on uh, earnings projections for them as well. And of course, they're talking about lower demand for DRAM chips, and a lot of that is already priced in here. So Nike, uh, after the close, David, we'll keep an eye on that one. Back to you. Bob, thank you. Uh, Bob Pisani, of course, yeah, we talked a bit about Nike as well. Before we head to a break right here, let's give you a quick bond report. 
for that, we take a look at how treasuries are faring this morning. We talked, of course, about this important uh, move from the uh, Bank of Japan, basically saying the widening of its yield curve control policy on its 10-year government bonds. And many believe that will have an impact even beyond what you're looking at there. But it is having an impact on our market. As you see, yields are higher across the board. We're right back into this. No break for uh, Fang there, you can see across no, the board. Even, even Amazon, uh, which had been briefly uh, positive, has fallen back. Of course, remember at the beginning of the program, we reminded people. David, it's, it's, it's given up all of its pandemic games. It's five of ten. Five of ten. But it's Thursday, according to Larry Williams, my best market story. That's when Santa comes to town. Thursday. Yeah, right now Santa, Santa comes to town. Right now, Thursday. trying to spot Santa. All right, we're back after this. It's not visible. Nike reports after the bell. You know, I got to go to Matt Boss, who's been so good for me. JP Morgan. He sees potential upside to revenue guidance, twenty percent this quarter. Uh, China inventory will be clean. I didn't expect about that. North American inventory plan to be on track and unchanged. I did not expect that. So those are positive things. Now, of course, against that is that the market's off. That's Matt Boss uh, from JP, JP, uh, Morgan. JP Morgan. All right, you what, know, do you got on, what do you got on Matt tonight? I got Rusty Brazil who's going to talk about, uh, he's my best oil guy, and I think we have to figure out where the heck oil's going because it's something that that year over year has is not great, but month over month is pretty good. It's a win. A lot of people are critical of me because I've been positive on Jay Powell. Um, and I'm positive on Jay Powell because I think that, look at the other guys who are doing this stuff. Japan, do they know what they're doing? China, but Europe. Jay at least has a plan. But it, it does matter to me where oil goes. Okay. Oil's integral All right. to the Get plan. back to work. Start making more calls. You know, I, I apologize to our viewers. You don't have to they, apologize. No, I mean, like I'm you. talking, like, you know, on the phone. My- Letting me talk a bit. When we come back, more on Wells Fargo's multi-billion dollar settlement with the CFPB. Of course, and Jim's going to have more on it, I bet, on Mad Money tonight as well. You betcha. Keep it here. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. 